Today's swap number is $191,745. That's the annual amount Southwest Airlines will pay for up to five years to a 12-year captain who takes VSP. It's a substantial amount of money, but it requires walking away from your profession at the top of your career. However, for many members, it's a decision worth considering. Today on the show, we're going to talk to NC member Damien Jeanette about some of the questions SWAPA has gotten about the VSP and hopefully clear up some of the common misconceptions circulating out there right now. Southwest 1498, no way tower, wind 18012, turn left, heading 180, runway 22 left, there for takeoff. 180, I'm out of clear for takeoff, 220, Southwest 1498. I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman. And here's our interview with friend of the show, Damien Jeanette. Damien, first things first, a lot of pilots are asking if SWAPA endorses the VSP. Well, of course, SWAPA endorses uh, all voluntary cost savings initiatives. I mean, it's a, obviously a company program, but uh, we don't control it, can't enforce it. It's not in the CBA, it's not an MOU, but uh, we, we do like the uh, cost savings side of the house. We can't enforce it? No, uh, technically the company initiated Section 22C, which is an incentive program, uh, kind of almost like a furlough mitigation type program because we did talk to the company we brought it to them so that that enacted section 22 so outside of that there's no real uh, enforcement that we can have so when you say we can't enforce it is there any enforceable action on the vsp is there a contract well it, it is the contract itself yes it is a contract it's an agreement uh, it is covered under uh, erisa because it's basically what's called a, a RIF program or a reduction in force type program. So that's why they have to have a 45-day window, uh, seven days uh, to be able to rescind your offer type of uh, uh, protections in place. So it is an ERISA document. So with that, it is an agreement with the company, but it's an individual agreement. So that's why we're, we are telling all of our pilots that call and talk to us about it, that they need to seek uh, legal uh, advice, tax advice, uh, financial planners, things of that nature. They need to have outside sources uh, take a look at the contract as well. Because it's a one-on-one -on -one contract is what you're saying. Correct. Correct. Let's talk about eligibility. The FAQ seemed confusing to a lot of pilots. Um, can you explain it a little bit more simply than it was spelled out? Well, the company has said that you have to be an active pilot to be eligible for the award of the VSP. So if you're on June 1st, you're on the master seniority list, you were a line pilot, you had a medical, they are telling us that you're an eligible pilot at that time. But then there becomes the question of what's inactive pilot. And they've given us a couple of exceptions. Um, the broad stroke of that is if you had six or more continuous months of leave all the way up to June 1st, uh, you would be ineligible. So in this case, example, if you had November 15th, you were out all the way to June 1st, you would be ineligible for the program. Um, the other part of that, too, would be um, maybe your time was past June 1st. Then that becomes kind of a company discretion uh, if they want to allow you. But it's a six-month time frame is what they're looking at because they just want to make sure that you're not on uh, or going to be on disability. So I have a, another question along those lines. So let's say you were out on a leave for five months and your return date is June 3rd. Would you be eligible for a... In, in that case scenario, it would be up to the company's discretion, but I would believe so. 
So it's really, I think the terminology they said, if it's up to the company's uh, reasonable expectation that you're back. Right. If it, that would be reasonable. And, and uh, they had a call today on uh, June 17th that, that they would like to take everybody that applies for the program. My speculation would be they just want to make sure that you're not going to be going on loss of license, that six-month window, the six-month elimination period uh, to go into loss of license. And then I think it's it's worth pointing out, you know, with the that definition or the, the lack of a definition of reasonable when the company says they have the reasonable right. Uh, that's sort of why we can't say that we uh, own the program or we're, you know, we really are part of it. They, they use that like vague language if they want to, they own the program so they can sort of make the rules. And that's, uh, that's why SWAPA is sort of a little hesitant to, to, you know, wholeheartedly or fully endorse every aspect of the program. Absolutely. And like we said, it's, it's a personal one-on-one individual contract. So you, uh, just got to keep that in the back of your mind when you're signing that contract. Didn't SWAPA propose an early out program? We did. That's how uh, the VSP, uh, at least in our belief, how the program even started was we approached the company and said, hey, we want to talk to you uh, about an early out program. And so the program that we suggested to the company is very similar to the VSP that you see today. The mechanics behind it were slightly different, but uh, the economics behind it are very, very in line. Damien, Discuss a little bit the differences between EXTO and VSP. The EXTO, of course, is 55 trips per month. The VSP is 67 trips per month. The big difference is as an EXTO, you're an active employee. VSP, you are a separated employee. That EXTO is still eligible for uh, NEC, the 401k NEC, and profit sharing. Uh, the VSP, you are not eligible for the NEC or profit sharing. It's a completely separated item. Because one of the big things when we when we suggested this to the company was a true separation so that you could initiate your non-qualified plans. The thought behind it was somebody 55 and up. We had a lot of pilots that were in the non-qualified plans that would like to have a separation from the company uh, so that they, it would trigger the start of their non-qual plans. So that's a, the key phrase there is you had to have that separation for the non-qual plans to uh, to start. And so the non-qual plans, of course, are, are not uh, protected by bankruptcy. So we want to give our, our pilots the option of being able to start those, uh, to trigger those distributions. So the swap a number is $191,745. That's not net, right? That's right. That's gross. And uh, how could how could our pilots figure out what their net would be? Well, initially, when this thing first came out, we were going to make a calculator. And uh, just like the profit sharing estimator that we do every year, that's uh, a lot easier to do because we knew exactly on a profit sharing piece what's coming out of it. When you're talking about a gross payment, of course, it's going to be your your rate at departure at 831, whatever your pay rate was, times 67. But we didn't know if the person was going to take paid medical, that they're going to pay out of the paycheck, the medical or not. Uh, and at the time, uh, we weren't sure about how the federal income tax or the state income tax. Uh, we did find out that it's at the supplemental rate, but uh, which does make it a little bit easier. But there's, uh, we didn't know which way the uh, medical selection would go for the individual. 
when you say the supplemental rate, are you talking about tax withholdings or tax rates? Because those confuse people. Sorry, the tax withholding rate was is on the federal 22%. And whatever the state supplemental is, which can change every year, uh, what that is. Of course, there is the FICA, so the Social Security, uh, 6.2% up to the um, uh, maximum. The company is going to pay their share of the 6.2, just like we have our current paycheck today. And then Medicare is uh, 1.45% with uh, no cap. So if a pilot doesn't withdraw from his non-qualified accounts, then what can he do? So you can also take uh, three options within the qualified account. So your SWAPA 401k and your Southwest Airlines profit sharing accounts. Um, you could do nothing. You know, if you didn't need the money, you don't have to take the distribution. Um, you can also um, consolidate. So you can take your Southwest profit sharing account and roll over to the SWAPA 401k. Um, there are some other options out there that you can do, but that's why you would need to talk to your uh, financial advisor because uh, I don't want to give any bad advice and then have trigger a uh, tax event. Damien, you mentioned that uh, VSP money is not eligible for profit sharing because they're no longer employees. But what about uh, 2020 earnings so far? If if we happen to make a profit sharing in 2020, will uh, will VSP pilots receive any of that money? So on the 2020 earnings, uh, and we are paid profit sharing, the VSP money is not eligible. But any other earnings that you got in the 2020 year would be eligible, which would include the vacation payout. Um, that you should be getting if you had any leftover for 2020 and the 2021 year that you're getting paid for the accrual vacation, uh, that would be eligible. Um, and of course, you do have to meet the hours of service requirement. So for every uh, active month, if you fly one TFP, you get 190 hours of time of service and you need at least a thousand. So that gives you about six months that you need to work. Um but all of that money should be uh, profit sharing eligible. So, Damien, if a pilot takes the VSP, does that give him an advantage when it comes to his non-qualif accounts? If there's a bankruptcy for the company? Yes, it will, because it's going to start his dis distribution schedule sooner. Because if somebody stays on property, then they're at risk all the way up until them leaving for VSP, you know, leaving or retiring with the VSP, you're able to initiate that sooner. So if, if the company were to have a financial problem and, and, or insolvency, the, the non-qual accounts of the pilots on property would be just as at risk as a pilot who was out on VSP from the process. It's just the exposure to that uh, bankruptcy. Right, because you've started that distribution schedule. So speaking of the, that distribution, there's a lot of confusion that our pilots have on that. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how those – but funds are distributed and when and and that sort of thing. Yep. So uh, there's two things to keep in mind. There's a method and timing. When you signed up for these non-qual plans, you made this election back in the day. You, you either said that you're going to have it um, start the same year or the end of the year that you retire or the next year that you retire. And the other part is the lump sum or five-year installment. So you could have all kinds of uh, timing and preferences in all three of your plans. Can they change their elections? No, because it's in a trust. Uh, and this is how we do it at Southwest Airlines, that uh, 
that whatever you signed up for back in the day, uh, that stays that way. And when you say back in the day, probably for most of us, that's when they were new hires, correct? Well, the old 401A17 plan was when you were a new hire. Uh, a lot of them were uh, elections you made uh, later down, later on in your career, especially like the top hat. You had to make a certain level just to get into the top hat plan. So, And, and that's when you made your, your method and timing elections? Correct. Correct. Let's talk about uh, healthcare a little bit. I know this has been a little bit of a point of uh, confusion for a lot of pilots, and I think it, it's a little bit even more confusing based on this um, exit plan, if you will. So can you explain that a little bit better for us? Yes. Uh, the company's done a really good job of explaining it, but uh, we've, we're starting to create our own uh, flow charts here at SWAPA. But the way you consider it is uh, we like to call it the VSP healthcare which is just the active uh, healthcare rates and plans that you have today. And then that would, we'll call that option one. And then option two is the retiree healthcare, which is under the CBA section 14 as it is today. It is important to note that the company's presentation, uh, their option one and option two tracks uh, is very similar, but the actual information is slightly different. So if you're under the age of 55, so 54 or less, then you only get 12 months of coverage. You do not qualify. You have to be age 55 to qualify for the retiree health uh, care part of that. Uh, the number one thing I'll say, though, about all of these plans is you can only have the benefits plus plans. Nobody is qualified for the regular plan if they take um, the VSP. So let me ask you just really quickly. So you said before 55, if you take the, the, the 12 month distribution, do you pay for that? So those are company paid premiums for 12 months under the age of 55. So 55 and above uh, is five years or up to age 65. Uh, you pay the active employee rate if you take this option one. Um, and that's five years or 65, whichever comes first, right? Correct. Correct. Um, so you get that for five years, any three of the of the um, benefits plus plans. So the HSP, uh, Choice Plus, or the Choice Plan C. And that's either um, either dental as well that you can go for as well. And just, just to clarify, I think you said this already, but there's no regular plan on any of these, correct? That's correct. No regular plan for, for any of these uh, VSP options. The second option is the retiree medical. The way to look at this is kind of the, uh, do you want to exchange your sick bank for paying the premiums? So that would be the option two here. So it depends if you're 55 to uh, 59 or 60 to 65 on which plan you can be on if you choose that option. And so just to clarify, the option one is what the company has come out with for VSP specifically. Option two is taking our CBA health, retiree health care uh, provisions and, and taking advantage of those, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. So some, somebody, if let's say they're 56 years of age, they may want to do option one for five years. And then uh, once they exhaust that five-year stint, uh, of course, it's uh, payroll deducted. Um, those premiums, then you can go to option two, the retiree health care, and have your sick bank, hopefully you have plenty of sick bank in there, that you could exchange um, 
10 TFP a sick bank for one month of coverage. And that'll take you all the way to age 65 potentially is, is the idea. Correct. Correct. So you could, if you had plenty of sick bank, you had to get yourself from 55 to 65. Correct. And then Medicare starts. Well, you, you, the company, would, the VSP, the company VSP would get you from 55 to 60, and then you would get yourself from 60 to 65 using your TFP sellback. Correct. Yeah. So you would be doing option one and then going to option two. That's correct in that scenario. And can you, when you swap from option one to option two, um, if you don't have enough sick bank buyback, can you actually just purchase the? Yes, you can at COBRA rates. Are there any other restrictions uh, in terms of if you go to option two, if you use the, the, the retiree health care, you mentioned from 55 to, to 59, does everybody have to use the company plan prior to age 60 or can they use the retiree health care from 55 to 59? So you can choose either one. If you choose number two, that's a retiree health care, you can't go back to one, but you can do the VSP medical option one and then go to option two if you still had um, time, left, s- time left or sick bank. Yeah, things of that nature. But you could also, at age 55, use your retiree health care and carry you all the way over to age 65 if you had enough sick bank. Is that true? That is true. Of course, uh, I would suggest that anybody go to section 14 and look at the retiree medical, especially if you're 55 to 59, because if you use your sick bank uh, to get you all the way to age 65, let's say you had 1,600 sick trips and you are age 55 and you planned on retiring, uh, you could, in theory, get yourself all the way to age 65, but you only get one choice, and that's the choice plan C and basic dental. You can't change uh, at all if you make that option. That would be the option two all the way to age 65 with that much sick bank. And it's also worth pointing out that with age 55 to 59, if you use retiree health care, that you need at least 15 years of service to take advantage of that too, right? That's another requirement. The company was thinking if, if you were age 55, more than likely the pilot would want to uh, take option one, which is the company uh, active rate healthcare plans to age 60 because you get all three choices of the benefits plus plan. And then at age 60, because you've exhausted that five-year limitation that we talked about in option one, then you can do your swap of uh, sick bank and you still get all three choices. So in theory, you could have all three of the HSP, choice plus plan and choice plan C for a 10-year duration if you are age 55. So what about someone who is 65? Let's, because, you know, once you're obviously 65, you hit 65, you're um, on Medicare. But what if your spouse isn't? What if your spouse is younger and not quite there? If you have a younger spouse, um, you can keep them on the uh, Benefits Plus plan um, up until they're age 65. But it's also your eligible dependents as well. So that'd be age 26. And how would you pay for that? Uh, you can do the sick bank exchange, or uh, if you ran out of sick bank, you could uh, pay the age banded rates, which are slightly higher than COBRA rates. So I think that pretty much wraps up the uh, VSP medical side of the house. There's one last set of privileges that really are discussed in the VSP, and that's travel. Can you sort of cover that for us? Yeah, the, uh, that'd be the retiree pass privileges, and uh, it's determined by your years of service and your age. So if that sum is 65 or more, then you would qualify for it, right? But you must have 10 years of service. 
So if you put in for the VSP and you do not qualify for that 65, which we just talked about, then you'd get 48 months of hash privileges on Southwest Airlines. But if you will say we're 56 and you had 10 years of service, that would equal 66. So that means you would get the uh, pass privileges, um, retiree pass privileges. So if you're 55 and you only had been here five years, you're not going to qualify. You would not qualify. That's correct. So one question we get a lot is, do we have any idea how many people are going to take the VSP or any estimate on what that might be? And also, how many are SWAP planning on taking? Right now, it's all speculation. I mean, when the program was first released on June 1st, uh, we saw a lot of attention on social media platforms, uh, especially the SWAPA forum seemed to have a lot of uh, talk about it. But I would say that you're going to have a higher participation rate towards the end because it's it's due July 15th, right? And then there's that seven-day window. I think there's a lot of people, you know, having to sit down at the kitchen table with a family, talk about if this is a good option or not. And so they actually have not submitted the uh, the agreement yet would be my speculation so that they're they're taking the full 45-day windows to make that decision. But we don't have any uh, numbers at this time. Uh, the company plans on uh, taking everybody that applies for the program, but we'll definitely know shortly after July 15th. We want to thank Damien for coming on the show. The company's VSP program is unlike anything we've seen before, and there are clearly a lot of tentacles that touch many different parts of our CBA. SWAP has been busy analyzing the impact of the program and working with the company to resolve many of the one-offs that need to be addressed to best serve our pilots, including those who accept VSP and those who remain. Before we go, please keep in mind that if you have any feedback for us at all, we really want to hear from you. Send us a line at com at swapa.org. And finally, this week's bonus number is 800. When Section 6 negotiations began, prior to the COVID crisis, SWAPA argued that the company was operating with that many excess pilots due to its schedule execution and reserve mismanagement. For decades, Southwest's secret weapon was its ability to operate lean and productively. During the years when the entire industry was making huge profits, nobody seemed to care that we drifted away from our roots, but COVID-19 and the need for programs like VSP and EXTO have reminded us that productivity isn't something we can just flip on or off like a light switch. Hopefully, in the end, 2020 will serve as a stark reminder to Southwest that in order to remain successful, it will need to return to its roots as a lean, flexible, efficient airline. Southwest 71, Millie Tower, only 2-2 left, 2-2 left. 2-2 left, 3rd line, Southwest, Southwest 71.